We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, September 11th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Um, we're going to wrap up most of week one. Derek Van Riper's with me like he's going to be every Monday. And um, Derek, let's start at the top of the food chain. David Johnson down already. People unhappy. Yeah, that's not supposed to happen. Um, and, and the thing about it, too, like he was not having a great game upon his exit and the severity of the injury, you know, to, to be determined with some further tests. Uh, it's a wrist or forearm injury, at least a few weeks, according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN. But it could be half a season or more. Uh, they're calling it a wrist sprain right now, but there could be some other damage inside the wrist. We just don't know right now. They're not a team that's built to play very long without David Johnson because they had some questions in that Arizona offense, even with one of the best running backs in the game. But you look at their depth chart, Kerwin Williams ended up uh, scoring on the drive where Johnson left the game. Presumably that would have been a David Johnson TD. Had he been healthy, Andre Ellington's still there. <laughs> Remember Elijah how popular he was a couple of years ago? Everybody wanted Andre Ellington. Yeah, I paid like 25 bucks for Andre Ellington in an auction. It was the Stope auction. And it, it's hard to believe that doing things like that, I've never been to the final in that league in the <laughs> five or six years that it's existed. So 
Take my advice. Now, hopefully, hopefully I'm a better court jester than I am an advisor to people, or at least maybe I get better advice than I uh, heed myself and whatever. So you look at the Cardinals. I, this is I, Carson Palmer scuffled yesterday, and I, I wonder how much of that in the second half is directly attributed to not having David Johnson in that backfield. Yep. And, uh, and David Johnson actually, was, you said he wasn't having a great game, and you're right. But the great thing about David Johnson was even when he doesn't have a good game, he the floor is actually decent. Because what do you have, six catches for 68 yards or something like that? Yep. So he wasn't running well, but he was, you know, he was keeping you afloat. It was you're not getting goose eggs or disaster games from a guy like David Johnson. That's why he's so valuable. And hopefully the news is not horrible. But yeah, Kerwin Williams, we're gonna talk more about that with uh, Jake Latarski on Tuesday's uh, free agent podcast but yeah Kern Williams and Andre Ellington and they are by the way if you're looking to see the thing is I'd love to say use a defense against the Cardinals but they're playing at the Colts this week oh my goodness uh yeah we'll talk about the Colts in a little while but with with Kerwin Williams uh I don't I don't see any reason at all to be that excited I know the per carry numbers on a really small number of touches have been good I'm just not feeling it I I don't I don't think there's a a lead back skill set kind of hidden there i think it's a uh, hey teams are, are really exhausted from chasing david johnson around <laughs> and kerwin williams comes in and, and the defense is just gassed like i think it's more like that as far as how you explain uh, what he's done he's also rarely uses a pass catcher i know he's rarely uses a ball carrier too so th- there could be a, just an ugly timeshare uh, in the absence of david johnson i kind of want no part of it short of being totally desperate uh, like a matt Breida starter type situation like I mentioned on Friday. Yeah. If I'm in that situation, sure. Beyond that, I might not uh, go after Kerwin Williams really at all. All right, everybody. We'd like to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now. Fanball.com. We'll talk more about them later. Um, Twitter, uh, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHelpin37. You can also check us out at Rotowire. Get lots of player updates, injuries, things like that at Rotowire NFL or find us on Facebook. Also, real quick, um, today being September 11th, I would like to give a quick shout out to my high school, Monsignor Farrow High School in Staten Island, New York. Um, We lost 23 guys on 9-11. And multiple classes one guy who graduated with me just kind of wanted to you know keep him in our thoughts and all that um and everybody who lost family members and friends and and everything on 9-11 okay let's go through week one um bill's jets first everybody wrote off tyrod taylor not everybody but as the things changed and they traded sammy watkins and we talked about the offense coordinator. I felt like as August went on, Tyrod Taylor went from, hey, he's one of those guys I can wait on to one of those guys you looked at. You went, oh, forget Tyrod Taylor. Man, this looked good, and now it doesn't anymore, and forget him. Tyrod was – he was Tyrod, right? I know he played the Jets, but 38 yards on the ground, threw a couple touchdowns, he was fine. He played the Jets, though. Like that's, that's where you have to look at it and go, okay. This, this is what he does when he gets a layup, and the Bills, schedule-wise, should have a couple more spots like that. The main concern I have with Tarod Taylor has not changed after this week, and, and good on him for playing well. I mean, he's doing everything he can to keep the job, and I, I, I think I like Tyrod Taylor more than the previous Bills regime liked him, and I'm not sure at all about the current one because the current, the current front office, the new front office, seems to be going to great lengths to put their stamp on the roster as quickly as possible. That's why we saw those trades, you know, during the preseason. And if they get to a point where this team's, you know, below 500 in late October, early November, and Tyrod Taylor's playing 
about as well as he did last year and, and not as well as he did in 2015, they could pull the plug on him. But they just don't have enough of a commitment to him. They could say, you know what, we've got a half season. Let's see what Nathan Peterman brings to the table, evaluate Peterman, and then make a call on him too. Because they may just continue to clean house between now and week one, 2018. That just wouldn't surprise me all that much. So the biggest concern with the Taylor situation, is it's less less about Taylor himself. It's more about LaShawn McCoy, who looked great yesterday too. Yeah. Uh, and that wrist injury he suffered apparently is, is no big deal. Uh, but Mike Tolbert got a TD, much <laughs> like Kerwin Williams did, because Shady got hurt. Uh, in near the stripe and uh, Tolbert came in and did the bookshelf tipping over thing and got into the end zone. So, you know, I, I, I think the bills are still pretty mediocre and they drew a nice assignment in week one. The only thing that I, I'm not sure about with the bills and maybe you have a take on this is the defense. Is it an average defense better than average below average? Where do they really grade? Because the Jets do not really provide any sort of formidable test in that regard. No, and I still think they're probably below average. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to need to wait and say, like, yes, like you said yesterday, it, it's kind of hard to tell what they are based on that game. And, you know, that, that again, everybody it's Monday morning. I, I, I don't know about you, Derek, but I didn't sit up all night watching replays of games. So, you know, we're, we're, we're look, I'm, lo- I'm looking at this through, through minimal, um, game watching right now. Yeah. Th- this is just, this is just kind of a reaction to the clips we were able to see. And we, I mean, I, I watched the Packers game in its entirety because it was part of the late afternoon block and I watched the Packer game anyway. So yeah, the observations are still casual at this yes. point and they're for everybody because no, nobody stayed up all night except for people like maybe in Europe or something <laughs> watching, watching get list probably watched everything by now. Yeah. Maybe we should, we should talk, we should talk to list. Actually today we should not talk to list because I know uh, like you, oh uh, he's a giants fan. And when, when the giants look as bad as they did yesterday, Liss is just off the deep end. Yes. Like he he just he cannot function the way he normally does when the Giants are that bad. He he's got he's got Ben McAdoo on his dartboard in his home office. I know that. He's got it. He doesn't like McAdoo when the Giants win because of the of, right. of some of the dumb things McAdoo does and they win despite him. Yes. And and to, to have a performance like they did yesterday where nothing looked good. I mean, I know Odell Beckham is really important. I know Odell Beckham has made the last three years of Eli Manning's career look at least average from a a production standpoint. But when you don't have him and they knew for a few weeks, they weren't going to have him, and you don't have a better game plan than that. You go out and make Dallas's defense look like a top five defense. That's horrible, horrible coaching. I don't, but I don't know what, and I know we're getting off track a little, but I don't know what choice he, I mean, that he didn't, when I saw yesterday morning that Beckham was out, officially out. I looked at this and I said, I don't know how they score. And I was pretty much right. Not patting myself on the back. It's a, it's a resignation that they have no line without Beckham there. I mean, I don't know why everybody's so excited about Brandon Marshall um, or was they can't run. Eli's getting old. I mean, there's just no, I mean, basically it's throw to Beckham and hope he runs really far. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's terrible. And I think it's, I don't know if they have a choice because Eli he literally, he, the guy couldn't throw downfield. He couldn't. But I, I can't figure out. So they, they threw, threw the ball to Evan Ingram five times. Yeah. I, I mean, how did Brandon Marshall disappear the way he did? Like that, he did one target in the final 15 seconds of the fourth quarter. I, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't one open. Catch. I mean, this is another one. We can't, we didn't see, but I, I mean, I, I know fades near the goal line. He didn't look open. I mean, you can't, it's hard to really, you know, separate down there, but he's just, I don't know. I don't know if he's old. I don't know if he's done. I don't know. 
man, if, if, yeah, if he's done, like that's totally possible because last year, and I know he was banged up last year, was right. pretty brutally inefficient, but he's bounced back from that before. You don't always bounce back. Eventually you get too old. You can't bounce back anymore. Right. Maybe with Beckham on the field, drawing a lot of extra attention once Beckham's healthy, you know, Marshall will be fine at that point. But man, if you're a Giants fan, you got to be underwhelmed because the defense, you, you didn't get completely smoked by Ezekiel Elliott. No, like, the defense was great. Yeah, you contain Zeke in a way that you need to do to beat the Cowboys. Jason Garrett's game plan was pretty stupid throughout. Right. And yet it was better than McAdoo's game plan. <laughs> it's it, I thought the Giants defense, I, I was shocked that they only gave up 19 because they were on the field constantly. I mean, there was only so much they could do. And they, they, on the bright side for Giants fans, the my my counsel here, as bad as it is, let, let's say Beckham's back to full health this week, which we don't know. This is basically the same everything that they had last year, and they went 11-5. and five. I mean, the offense was bad then, except for Beckham. And the defense was tremendous, especially in the second half of the year. And the defense basically went, basically, this is the, the Broncos' blueprint. You know? Yeah, and, they're, they're, they're going to be okay. They'll be okay. They won't be bad. It's just, I think there's a ceiling. I know there were people predicting Super Bowl in the preseason. I had no idea what they were talking about. And, and you know, I, I think they're probably a 9-7 and seven type of team that's going to be tremendous on defense and just really struggle when they have the ball. Well, they haven't scored. They, they showed the graphic late in the game. They haven't scored 20 points going back to what, like week 11, week 12 Something of last like that. season? Mm-hmm. That's a... That's a pretty concerning stat. Like, right. and McAdoo's supposed to be an offensive mind. Boy, that's that's a, that's a generous use of mind. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm sitting at a poker table and there are five empty seats and I can <laughs> fill them with the five NFL head coaches of my choice, Ben McAdoo's getting a seat for sure. <laughs> Jason Garrett's getting one. Chuck Pagano has a spot permanently reserved. Jason Garrett's getting one of the five worst NFL head coaches. Yeah, he. I, I think he's still like a bottom five coach. Wow, I got to think about this. I mean, he, he went to an Ivy League school, so maybe he could figure out poker. <laughs> so it, it's possible, but P- Pagano has to be at that table, man. I mean, and, and Pagano, look, he's he's in a position to fail miserably because that front office is horrible. Yeah. Like that's that's part of it. Like, but he also does things within the construct of that that roster that are, that are his own undoing. Right. Yeah. Everybody, by the way, um, Greg Doyle in the Indianapolis star wrote an interesting, a column about the Colts. Basically it, it was a fire and brimstone. They don't know what they're doing. Column. Very entertaining. I, I recommend it this morning. All right, let's go. Falcons bears. Um, that was my upset pick. I thought I had it. I thought late that when the bears were at the eight yard line, I thought I had it. Um, Tariq Cohen. All right, here, here's Tariq Cohen looked great. If you're a Jordan Howard owner, this has to disturb you as far as how much work Tariq Cohen got. But you, you're not worried about him losing a job, basically, right? Like, we, we want to, do we need to talk Jordan Howard owners off the ledge this morning? I hope not. I mean, I think what the Bears have now is they have. A, a two-headed system at running back potentially with Howard and Cohen that can take a ton of the pressure off Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky. And we saw Kevin White suffer what they're saying is possibly a broken collarbone. So yeah. his season may be over already. It was already a thin receiving core 
because of the Cameron Meredith injury in the preseason, they don't have three receivers that you want to put on the field yeah. on the roster right now. So I wonder how many two back sets we're going to see. I wonder how creative the usage of Tariq Cohen can be. The Bears, I mean, the Ravens ran it like 40 times yesterday. We get to that game. That was one of those big surprises, how much, how heavy their, their run offense was. Mm-hmm. The Bears made scheme that way. They may run it 35 times a week by design, where Jordan Howard carries 22 to 25 times and Cohen gets, you know, 8 to 12 and then catches passes out the backfield. I, th- I think they can both be pretty viable. Jordan Howard did a lot last year, over five yards per carry. Tariq Cohen is as explosive as he appears to be. He's small. Like it, there, there's a physical He's limitation small, probably right. to the workload he can withstand. So I think he needs to be in a situation where he can work in tandem. And because they're so thin with pass catchers otherwise, I think if you're a Jordan Howard owner, you don't have to panic right now because of the way Cohen was used yesterday. Um, this week, if you were desperate at running back, Tariq Cohen or Kern Williams? Ooh, uh, I think you said the Cardinals have the Colts, right? Yes, and the Bears are at the Bucks. Mm, I would be inclined against the Colts to throw Kerwin Williams out there, even though I would prefer Cohen over the course of the season. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, but the as far as the receivers in Chicago, you're right. There's not a lot going on there. Maybe Zach Miller, who got four catches, gets some targets. But right now, the receiver, I mean, Kendall Wright, Josh Bellamy, it's, it's terrible. Um, all right, Ravens-Falcons. Let's talk about that since you brought it up. Yeah, a lot of run. Danny Woodhead out for a while. I don't know the exact prognosis, but hamstring injury sounds like we're not going to see him for a bit, which is bad. Yeah. Um, Terrence West ran. Well, I like Terrence West. Buck Allen got a lot of work. Buck Allen actually ran 21 times. He catches the ball well. All right. He didn't yesterday, but he has in the past shown that he can catch the ball. Maybe he steps in that Woodhead role. How much of this do we have to take with a bit of a grain of salt because the Ravens were up by so much that they were just going to run the ball? That was one of those games that because I think there was uh, just so many turnovers, you didn't really see it pop up much on on red zone. So that, that's one where I'm kind of putting some questions out there on Twitter today. I'm thinking, OK, Tyler Eifert barely did anything. The Ravens ran the ball 40 times as a team. I mean, Allen, Allen to me was just like the late, late round backup or waiver backup. You could pick up and say, hey, you know what? Terrence West, he's not guaranteed to keep the job. At least I have a guy that at one point we were excited about if uh, if they make a change. I don't know what to make of the Ravens, even though they, they won this game, because the Bengals lost two key pieces of the offensive line during the offseason. The Ravens defense, I think, is significantly improved, but. I'm wondering how much of that improvement is just the function of the offensive line for Cincinnati being terrible. And, you know, this is this is a weird game. Like this was the most surprising result of the entire week, with maybe the exception of what happened in Houston yeah. with the Jags. So but look at the running back distribution of touches for the Bengals. Like, <laughs> what were what were they thinking? Like, what happened? I mean, Mixon didn't look good on the eight carries he had, but it's eight carries. I mean, if you believe in Joe Mixon as a prospect, you're not going to reevaluate him based on that. But you go eight, seven, and six with Mixon, Bernard, and Hill. And Gio looked snaps. good. Gio looked great. Yeah, like he looked, he looked pretty explosive. And the snaps went 29 for Bernard, 22 for Mixon, and 10 for Hill. <laughs> I, well, how do you feel right now if you're a Joe Mixon owner, though? If you, if you give up a fourth-round pick for Joe Mixon, 
And you saw how they handled this. I mean, clearly, when you get shut out at home in your opener, you're not going to roll out the same game plan in week two. They have a short week, too. They get Houston right, right away on Thursday night. I mean, like, what do you what do you really think is going to happen here? How, how much of an adjustment are they going to make? Do you think that snap count distribution is actually pretty telling as far as Bernard and Mixon kind of pulling away from Hill, I at least as far as the workload went this week? I think in the short term, yes. Actually, pulling away from Hill is the most interesting part because I do think that Mixon will – over time, because we both seem to think, you know, the talent's there, that he's going to get his. Um, but but remember, Gio was always a pretty good bat. Like, the health is the biggest question with Gio. If, if he's healthy, you don't want to keep him off the field, right? I mean, he's pretty good. He's, he's more of a third down type, but he's, he's not only a third down type, if that makes sense, right? He can, he can run the ball a little bit. You don't want him carrying 20 times. But every in his career... It, the workload he's gotten, he's always been pretty productive, right? And if he's healthy, why wouldn't you use him? I would. Is, is the the Bear situation kind of like a typical Cincinnati situation where it used to be, you know, Hill and Bernard? Could, could Howard and, and Tariq Cohen kind of do that and maybe. maybe do it even a little better? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think, like you said, Cohen, Cohen's so small that, that that's a tough spot. But especially with the lack of receivers, they might have to get a little creative there. So I mean, Bernard, Bernard averaged 10 yards per touch yesterday because he had a 39 yard reception sprinkle in, but seven for 40 on the ground. So they need that. You know, AJ Green in, in a disaster was at least passable five for 74 on 10 targets. So that was he, talk about your high floor wide receiver ones, right? That was a disaster game <laughs> for Andy Dalton. Four picks. Yeah. Five sacks. I just I didn't get to see a lot of that game, but I have to imagine he was under constant pressure and the offensive line was was part of the problem. Eifert played a ton of snaps, had one catch for four yards and one target. And I, I wonder, too, if, if the offensive line struggles, does he get to run as many routes as we'd like or does he just stay in and help block? Right. Which, yeah, which I don't. We, neither one of us really knows right now. But, yeah, that's a, that's a uh, and, and they're not they got no cupcake this week. They're playing the Texans Thursday night, whose defense. I know things didn't go off for them yesterday, but their defense is pretty strong and the pass rush should be pretty strong. So. Um, the, the Bengals could be in it. If, if the offensive line's hurting them that much, they could be in for another rough night. Um, all right, everybody. It, you've tried daily fantasy sports games, and, you know, I don't know how you did this weekend. Um, I did okay. Um, you had fun playing. You loved the competition, but sometimes you just lose, and, you know, the Sharks kind of beat you, even on a weird day like, like week one. Um, but playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun, and losing all the time isn't. So it, a new approach you can try at Fanball, using the Fanball number at Fanball.com. Here's the Fanball difference. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level. It ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your Fanball number is 35, you're not going to be playing against experts, say, in the 80s and 90s. They have their own contests at Fanball.com. Every player has a Fanball number, and every contest has a Fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that, the, say, 35, if that's where you are, and knowing that that'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with Fanball number at Fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Fanball.com. Um, you mentioned the Jags and the Texans. Uh, it's funny, I was, in a, I was in a draft last week. It was sort of like a, a draft with some of my friends, and they were laughing at me for taking the Jags defense. <laughs> so I got, I got very quick retribution on them yesterday. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what, what to, I mean, all right, Allen Robinson's out for the year. That's horrible. So the Jags, who were going to be more run-heavy, now, I mean, what was the other one? D. Westbrook on his reserve, too, before the weekend, mm-hmm. right? So Hearns, Marquise Lee, uh, there's not a lot going on there for the Jags on offense. 
Yeah. So the the weird thing when you when you look at the Jags is, you know, they they ran it pretty well. So the offensive line, which is supposed to be close to average against a good run defense, did all right. 100 yards for Fournette in his debut, 3.8 yards per carry, found the end zone once. Ivory in a complimentary role was effective. That's the model that the Jags are holding lead. I don't expect the Jags to have leads like the one they had Sunday very often. They're up 19 nothing at halftime. Right. That, that's probably going to be an outlier as far as their game scripts go. The absence of Allen Robinson just craters the possibility of Blake Bortles being anything more than just a functional game manager, right? I mean, I know Marquise Lee, before the injuries, was a guy that people thought could be a, a really good NFL receiver, Hearns has flashed some some big playability at times in the past, but if you're a Jags fan, you know you're excited. The team looked good and, and picked on Tom Savage and, and Deshaun Watson in the second half making his his debut. But I I don't know. This is this is bad. Like this this is still a bad team that is probably improved defensively. It's going to play a lot of low close scoring games and have to grind it out. And that's probably their best chance of winning anyway because you're taking the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands. But do you feel good about any of the other pass catchers week to week? If you're looking for a third receiver right now in a 12-team league, are you feeling good about Marquise Lee or Alan Hearns no. starting for you? No, 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 no. Not at all. The only reason Al Robinson was getting anything done right is, is because he was really good and, and doing it in spite of Blake Bortles. So, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's just a rough one for the Jack. Their defense is frisky. Super-duper frisky. And they're playing – they're home against the Titans this week. So we're going to see. I mean, they laid a bit of an egg. We'll talk about that soon. Um, other side, what, what a, do we have any insight as to what the Texans are going to do a quarterback Thursday night? You know, to make it worse, I just saw Ian Rappaport from NFL.com tweet that Deshaun Watson was limping with an ankle injury oh my goodness. after the game. So I, they may have to go back to Tom Savage, depending on, on what they can do with Watson's ankle. I mean, the short week. It's just brutal, even for those minor injuries. Like, like an ankle sprain, if you had a full week and you get good treatment, that might be enough time to play. But right. three days, it might not be enough. I mean, volume for Lamar Miller, so that was good. Uh, efficiency, not as much. But 96 yards of scrimmage in a game where team only scored seven points. Right. It could have been so much worse for him. So you're feeling okay today as a Lamar Miller owner. And the fact that they went to Watson in the second half of week one. Right. I think that bodes really well for Miller's chances of being in a more productive offense. I mean, Watson, because of his mobility mm-hmm. opens up that extra threat. And I think it just it makes Houston better. Like I, I, I was never in on Tom Savage. Nobody was, there wasn't a single person anywhere that I could hear or see who was like, yeah, Tom Savage is going to be great. He's going to be competent. They're going to, they're going to move the ball well with him. Like it was silly that, Savage was chosen as the starter originally, and I'm glad Bill O'Brien made the adjustment quickly. Right. I mean, I, I guess they were trying, you know, they, they were trying to give Watson as much time as possible because Watson, the thing is, he might be their best choice. That doesn't mean he's ready to be an NFL starter. But at some point, you know, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's just right. I mean, yeah, like, what you have. Savage has been in the league for a few years, and it didn't look like he was ready to be an NFL starter either. Sometimes right. time doesn't do enough to make a player ready. You know, you can throw them in the pickle jar for a long time. And sometimes it doesn't pickle, I guess. Um, also quick note on the Texans. So they lost two tight ends to concussions. Fedorowicz mm-hmm. and Ryan Griffin. You might be looking at Steven Anderson on Thursday night. 
Um, so yeah, whatever. It's not a lot. Of, a lot of throw into Deshaun. Uh, sorry, to DeAndre Hopkins, who who had a nice little. I mean, the touchdown made him have a nice day, but he got targeted a lot. Sixteen targets. So yeah, you know that's encouraging after last year. How about the Tom Savage line though? Seven for thirteen with six sacks. <laughs> Just <laughs> so amazing. Saxonville. They changed their the Jags changed their um, Twitter ID to Saxonville. Yeah, the. the it's funny when team accounts do that. I mean, like the, the, the Cleveland Indians right now, I think have 17 or 18 W's yeah. as theirs. And it, it, it just looks ridiculous, but it it's kind of weird when they announce an injury and they've got the goofy hashtag name. Right. So like when Saxonville tweets that Allen Robinson has a torn ACL, you look at it and you're like, that just seems weird. I thought it was okay. fake when I saw it. Right. Yeah. 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 Like I'm not offended by it i just think right. it's weird like it's like come on like change it back for the serious thing and then change it back again when you're gonna like tweet gifs of i don't know puppies and <laughs> and such like i team, the, the team accounts are always so random like that right um all right let's go to uh steelers browns you know the the line of thinking that the browns were going to be an improved team even without Miles Garrett, seemed to come to fruition. They gave the Steelers, you know, they they gave them all they could handle. They were solid. They were decent. They were competitive, which is really nice to see from the Browns. And, and first up, for fantasy purposes, Deshaun Kaiser, not bad. And the run, you know, the the one yard run for the touchdown is encouraging. If you're, you know, looking in a two QB league or, or bye week later on or something like that, if you're quarterback streaming type, you, you got a glimpse as to how Deshaun Kaiser could actually be productive. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kaiser situation for Cleveland's a little bit like the Deshaun Watson situation in Houston where it's like, yeah, maybe he's not ready in the traditional sense of what you'd like, but he's a better option than your alternatives. So, you know, let him learn on the job. It may actually be good for him as long as you don't uh, have him out there getting crushed every week. And they got a good offensive line, a great one. So why not give it a shot? Isaac Crowell, under two yards per carry. Mm. Uh, that, that was kind of surprising to me. Duke Johnson didn't carry the ball at all. Uh, you look at the pass catchers. Corey Coleman at least had a good game. You know, caught five of his six targets, scored, got over 50 yards. Right. It was pretty much Antonio Brown or bust, though, in this game. Like, uh, other than Coleman, Antonio Brown, and, and I guess Jesse James with the two TDs. How, how viable do you think Jesse James really is? I mean, they made that trade for Vance McDonald. James has the rapport already with Ben Roethlisberger. I just wonder if those two tight ends ultimately chip away at the value of each other once McDonald is up to speed in the Steelers offense. I think you're probably right. I think they're going to want to use McDonald because James is not their their ideal tight end. He's probably more of a blocker. You know, I mean, he has he does have the rapport with Ben and he's been a decent red zone target. But McDonald's probably the guy they're going to want, they're going to, want to throw to more. Um, also, Le'Veon Bell owners probably I mean, maybe we can attribute this to, you know, getting his legs under him after the holdout. Because he had 10 carries for 32 yards, three catches for 15, a, a very subpar Le'Veon Bell game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's possible that Cleveland's just good against the run. And yeah. a- anybody with 10 carries can bust a long run or not bust a long run and kind of be kind of be quiet. So, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not panicking. I'm a Le'Veon Bell owner. I think it would take like five or six games like this one for me to start to worry. Like it. Right. He's he's earned he's earned that much of, of, of credibility where it takes him almost like a month and a half before you're like, oh, is something wrong with Le'Veon Bell? Right. Um, the other thing in the Steelers, uh, Martavis Bryant is going to have his five for 150 in a touchdown games. 
and he's going to have his two for 14 games like he did yesterday. That's, that's what you get with Martavis Bryant. Talented as he is, he's going to frustrate you some weeks. I mean, if, if, you could, if you could bet it right now, assuming that he's healthy for all remaining games, do you expect Martavis Bryant to have any games as bad as week one for the rest of the season, though? I, I wouldn't bet it, but I could see it. Be, be, I think he's going to be up and down. I think he's going to be the... The, the the I think he's the boomer bus guy. So I, I could I could certainly see that. Yes, I think I probably see it more than you do. I mean, I think most likely this is the worst game of the season for Martavis Bryant. Sure, he may have some three and four catch games in there where he doesn't score, but this this one, I mean, it, Browns the, the bar's low. Like it it is. They've they've had decades of failure. Uh, so for them to cover at home, that's that's good. (laughs) That's a step in the right direction against a team. That's just pummeled them for years. So things are looking up in Cleveland right now. I agree. All right. So the Browns Browns are at the Ravens. Another tough one this week. Steelers host the Vikings. Um, We're we're going to find out how good Deshaun Kaiser is. I think real, real quick. No kidding. Um, Cardinals and lions. The Kenny Galladay truthers are happy today. (laughs) <laughs> two yes, touchdowns, four for 69 and two touchdowns for Baby Tron, as uh, our, my friend J.J. Zacharyson likes to call him. Um, that's a nice debut. All the all the people who. OK, here's the thing. All the people who got excited about Kenny Galladay and drafted him to stash on their roster are probably very excited, except for the fact that they probably all benched him. I'm wondering that, too. I mean, Kenny Galladay is probably rostered in 90% of the leagues that I'm in or all of them, at least for the leagues I'm in. But in how many leagues was he actually started Sunday? I and then and then what then what's going to happen is like, OK, sure, of course, you're going to use him going into next week because the targets were there. The TDs were there. Everything looked great. He was their number two receiver from a production standpoint behind Golden Tate. Marvin Jones, uh, I know on the touchdown catch that he had was covered by Patrick Peterson. It's kind of a longer broken play. He got away from Peterson, the end zone Stafford made a nice throw. So I I just wonder how much of the Marvin Jones was targeted two times. Part of the game plan is directly the result of Patrick Peterson taking away Marvin Jones. And then, you know, golden Tate and Kenny Galladay just having better matchups in this particular game. Right. Um, that that's I, I still like Marvin Jones, but yeah, this is this is that's an interesting one because they threw to Kenny Galladay down there, and it's it. Yeah, I don't have the stat on how many he's only in Yahoo. He's only owned in seventeen percent of leagues, by the way. Oh, I mean, the, you know what? The thing I I apologize to everybody listening for. Well, there's a lot of things, but the, the main thing I underestimate the number of leagues out there that are eight and ten teams deep, like yeah. the very the casual leagues. I think I think the the volume of leagues that are just pretty normal uh, are, are just small. Like there's the smaller leagues. Some of those leagues only start two receivers. Some of those leagues have a lot of people in them that don't pay very close attention. That's not me ding the league. It's just kind of realizing what leagues are actually like. And I know we're, we're trying to cater to, to everybody. We're not going to be the, the podcast for only eight and 10 team leagues. I just think it's easy for us as people that play in, in larger, deeper and more competitive leagues, just because we're in leagues with people that do this for a living you know, we just kind of assume certain players are, are not available. So if he's out there, if Galladay's out there in a 10-team league, I would guess in, in, in the good chunk of the leagues where he's available, he's better than some of the receivers that are stashed away on people's benches. Right. Hey, so he got seven targets. Tate got 12. Marvin got two, like you said. Um, the other one there, I don't know who I talked to last week who was worried about Zach Zanner, if it was you or Heaney. Um, but Zach Zanner was inactive. Amir Abdullah, 15 carries. 
pretty nice. Three catches. Theoretic, like clockwork, I mean, six for 27 and a touchdown receiving. Theoretic is going to catch five passes a game. You want floor? There's your floor right there. Even though he only got 27 yards, it's not exciting. But if you're desperate, you need a PPR back. Theoretic's going to get you something. So what's what's your grade for the Arizona run defense? And they're they're typically pretty strong, right? I mean, they that's are, usually but they lost those... Calais Campbell, so I don't know. I mean, it looks like it was pretty good, but the line it's hard to say because the Lions can't run. The Lions can never run. Yeah, they they can't run well, and then they they kind of know it. Like they they generally are that slow tempo, pass happy, right. high volume offense, and it sort of works for them. But yeah, Arizona, I think year over year, these last few seasons now, it pretty consistently been one of the better run defenses out there so yeah you're not feeling great if you've got amir abdullah right now and you're, you're pushing him out there as your your rb2 or your flex but yeah arizona i mean 3.6 yards per carry last year and i i think they're they've been top five on a pretty regular basis in recent years so that might be a, a strength for that defense when it's all said and done this year all right, the Cardinals at the Colts, like we said. Uh, the Lions at the Giants Monday night. Not a lot more lanes to run for Amir Abdullah. Um, so Raiders-Titans. Um, I was not a Marshawn Lynch supporter during the preseason, during the offseason. And I, part of it is because I don't think he'll last. But yesterday, no complaints, right? Now, he looked kind of like typical Lynch on a few runs, too. So that's really good news for the Raiders. Because uh, typical Marshawn Lynch, even 90% of what Marshawn Lynch was two years ago, is you know pretty good like compared to Latavius Murray. So if they're getting four-plus yards per carry from Lynch, you know, mixing in their pass-catching backs a little bit. They keep Crabtree and Cooper healthy. This does have the look of a team that would be the favorite, perhaps, in the AFC West. I mean, Raiders-Chiefs could be some great matchups this year. And the Chargers are a team that people are, are kind of calling as a, a sleeper of sorts, too. So that leaves Denver as like the worst team potentially. And I think these teams are going to beat up on each other all season long. But if, yeah, Marshawn Lynch, I thought looked really good. Uh, total of like 92 yards from scrimmage. Didn't find the end zone. I think that'll come in time. Uh, the Raiders winning by 10 on the road at Tennessee. Kind of takes the wind out of the sails of, of the, the Titans bandwagon. I mean, that that was not was not what I expected no. at all. And, and Mariota had a rushing score. Otherwise, you know, 6.2 yards per attempt. Maybe the Raiders' defense is a little better than I was giving it credit for. Right. Um, Amari Cooper targeted in the red zone. Um, drop, drop, sort of a drop. Not good. They, you got your targets, everybody, for Amari Cooper. You just didn't get the results. Seth Roberts got a touchdown, right? He did his only target of the game too. That's Seth Roberts gets buckets. Seth Roberts is just a thorn in everybody's fantasy side, isn't he? He's just it's ugh, terrible. Um, all right, yeah, and Titans. Like I just want the Corey Davis is the guy, the interesting guy for me here. The not the stat line anyway is good because they they threw to him. Well, I, I thought he was going to be third fiddle here, and he's maybe not so much. So this yeah. And the other thing about it, too, they, they kind of came out and said before the game or heading into the weekend, at least, that they were expecting him to be kind of limited. Like that wasn't at all part of the, the script. And I think they had 64 offensive snaps. He played 42. So, yeah, he, he was taken out of the game for about a third of the snaps and still managed to lead the team in targets. 
Mm-hmm. Eric Decker was really quiet. I don't know what to make of that. If that was just noise, you know, three catches, 10 yards, eight targets. If he was drawing a lot of top corner attention or what that was, because he was on the field a lot. Like he, he led the receivers with 60 snaps played. So he played even more than Rashard Matthews. Right. So maybe that's just noise. And Decker ends up being the kind of guy that you make an early season trade. You try to get him back as, as part of it because the role, you know, is there and the opportunities will be more productive in the near future. And uh, targets in Tennessee, Corey Davis, 10, Matthews, nine, Walker, nine, Decker, eight. So um, clarity, maybe next week. Uh, all right, everyone, week one is in the books, but it's not too late to get closer to the game you love with DraftKings one-week fantasy football. This Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 pick'em contest that's totally free to enter. By the way, nobody won the billion on DraftKings. Um, who who would have thought, right? Like, <laughs> the, I mean, they had it insured anyway. Here but. would have been the billion-dollar lineup. Ready? Um, right. from, uh, I'm reading this tweet from Adam Levitan actually works for, who does work for DraftKings, um, Stafford, Tariq Cohen, Fournette, Antonio, Galladay, Golden Tate, Austin Hooper, Shady McCoy, and the Rams D that would have been your perfect lineup. 232.98 points. The highest guy got 198. So, yeah, I mean the, 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 how many, how many people had like five pieces of that lineup? Even? Oh, I mean, Tariq Cohen. I can see. I don't know what his price was. I could see that Kenny Galladay that would be a difficult Galladay and Tate is a difficult one to see. Right. Because you probably would have just chose one. You'd be like, well, yeah. if Tate's going to get a lot of extra attention and, and Jones is going to be you know, getting those two guys are going to top two corners. Galladay is going to eat against the, the nickel guy or right. something like that. Like I, I could see that logic. But to stack those two and to not stack Marvin Jones with just there's so many ways to screw that up. Right. That's why they did it. That's why Warren Buffett offers all of his money for people to get a bracket <laughs> perfectly right. Cause he knows it's not going to happen. Right. And that Austin, and he be, he, go ahead. It's so he can probably insure it for next to nothing too. Yep. That's right. And that Austin Hooper, Hooper thing yeah. was what a lucky touchdown that was. What a Miss weird tackle. I mean, Miss tackle, late Miss tackle like. broke, broke, busted coverage, Miss tackle, great stiff arm. Uh, you know, I like Austin Hooper, but that one was kind of gift wrapped. All right, everyone, Pick'em's the newest way to play one-week fantasy football. Drafting your team is faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers. All you have to do is select one player from each tier. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill levels. And the best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code WIRE to play in DraftKings free contests with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code WIRE to compete for your share of of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is totally free to enter, so really, why wouldn't you check it out? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, let's go to Eagles-Redskins. Um, Eagles are going to win the AFC East. NFC East, sorry. Just mark it down. That's going to happen. <laughs> um, Carson Wentz, from what I could tell, I watched bits and pieces of that game, looked pretty solid, you know? The one play, I mean, the big play... Um, who did he throw over the middle to? It was the deep. It was Aguilar, where he caught. He, he scrambled away and kept his eyes downfield. It was a really nice looking play through a touchdown. Aguilar. Um, Aguilar is going to be a popular free agent this week, isn't he? He will be. And I'm, I'm looking at the way the targets were were split up, and I think a lot of teams have four guys they like to throw to. Like the Titans did it this week, and, yeah. and Decker was the quiet guy. And I think for teams like the Titans and the Eagles that are, you know, the, the non like Packers, Saints, pay, like Patriots, those, those top teams, they can usually sustain 
four guys some weeks. And then the off week will be four for 40 for Randall Cobb or something like that. But for the Eagles, you know, Ertz, Aguilar, Jeffrey, Torrey Smith are probably the four guys. And you get the running backs to catch some passes in there, too. You really don't ever expect more than three to be productive. That's in a kind of big time shootout. And I think a lot of times it's going to be two. It's going to be, you know, Ertz and Jeffrey, Aguilar and Ertz like it was in week one. Some some combination of two because the the long tail contributions from the the, the role guys are, are greater. I think that's that's just part of, of what the Eagles have right now. So many pass catching backs, especially. But when I watch Carson Wentz, I'm always impressed by the arm strength. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I like the mobility. He seems to have a pretty good pocket presence. But his arm strength seems to come with ease, too. So he took some shots downfield. The TD pass to Aguilar had a long target to Torrey Smith that didn't uh, end up resulting uh, in a catch. But if it had, it'd be Torrey Smith, two for 85 and a TD. <laughs> like, I mean, like, that's that's the, that's the interesting thing about Torrey Smith in Philadelphia. You know, I know he was with the, you know, the Niners and wasn't very productive. Mm-hmm. And for, for one of those years, Colin Kaepernick played most of the season. But. Torrey Smith with Carson Wentz is going to be the kind of guy that once in a while does make a big play, finds Pater with it because he's a burner and is like a GPP consideration anytime the Eagles are in what looks like a potential shootout. Yep. Um, Zach Ertz probably did what we all, you know, he was very highly owned in DFS and he got the targets you hoped. Um, LeGarrette Blunt, what were the odds on LeGarrette Blunt getting a receiving touchdown, do you think? A million oh, to one? man. Uh, I would say at least 50 to one. <laughs> I mean, really like they, you, with, on that team with that personnel for him to catch a TD pass and not, not in my wildest dreams would I have I've thought that was going to happen. Uh, and it's, that's not like he thought it was first and 10 at the 35 and right. broke a couple tackles and rumbled in for it either. It was a near the goal line target. It was a short target that like got, that was very surprising for I me. I didn't know he knew how to catch a ball. Literally. I just they teams have never used him that way. Like I, 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 with those guys, those kinds of players, the, there's probably a certain point where the reputation for not being a pass catcher is a little overblown. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like guys that can't hit lefties in baseball, and you kind of got to trace it back. It's like well, when did they get a chance to do this? Right. Oh well, they never did. Like in some cases, that's what it is. With Blunt, he's been on enough teams and enough systems where, look, he's not a good pass catcher. That's just part of it. But good for him. He found the end zone, and if he hadn't it would have been a really bad day because 14 for 46, 3.3 yards per carry. I'm still looking at it and saying, Hey, they were underwhelmed by what they saw in the preseason, at least based on that one report we saw uh, out of one of those beat writers. And right. He, he's not necessarily a lock to keep this job all year. That's that kind of goes without saying with blunt. If he loses the job, Wendell Smallwood only had four carries, so not much to really grade there. They weren't productive carries. Do you expect Smallwood to be that guy? Like, is Smallwood rosterable for you in a 12-team league where you've got six bench spots as that last running back dart that you're hoping takes on a larger role? There are bigger darts I'd rather have. Okay. So, he, so he's, he's a waiver wire guy for he, you. He's a waiver wire guy because he, any work he can get will be capped by Sproles even if he gets more work. Okay. So no. I, I just don't see I, I he he's not on a twelve team league like that, he's not worth my time, I don't think. Um the other side, let's see. I mean Pryor was fine. <laughs> Josh Doxon, if you were stashing Josh Dox Josh Doxon, you can forget it now, right? I mean, twenty one snaps, um, nothing going on, didn't get I mean, didn't get anything. 
So he's a zero. And, and I think basically if you're waiting for him to hop on the field, like when, when is that going to happen, right? Yeah, he's, he's probably a cut yeah. as of today. I mean, unless you're talking like a 16-team league right. that's really deep. Uh, they, they dumped the ball off to Chris Thompson a few times. Which I think that's going to be part of the game plan a lot. Crowder had seven targets. He didn't do much with him, but he's the number two. And unless like Jordan Reed goes down, and I, there was a report that came out yesterday that suggested he might have a fractured toe. Doesn't simply kind of think it's going to get better if you're playing on it. Right. Uh, so if Reed goes down, maybe then, you know, we're talking about Doxon on a Tuesday waiver episode as a pickup. But I think for now he's a cut. All right. And the other guy I wanted to see here is uh, P. Ryan. Did he get any snaps? Was, where was he? Was he was he there? I think he was active. Wow. I, I could I, I I don't I don't see that. I didn't see that he wasn't. Please, folks, correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong. Um, but P Ryan got, it was a big fat zero. Yeah. He only played special teams. All right. So, I mean, is, is he a cut? He might be. Yeah. I mean, like what, what really separates P Ryan from Wendell Smallwood right now? Right. No, thank you. They're both, they're they're both behind guys that you don't really trust as starters, but I don't know. Like you don't, you can't stash everybody and they both have good receiving backs. That's right. You can't stash everybody. And that's another one. You, you know he's capped with the, on, on the passing downs. Even if he gets more work, he's capped on the passing downs. So, I don't know. I mean, most guys are. Most guys sitting on the bench aren't going to come in and be three-down runners. I get that. But I don't know about that. I mean, that, that was a very bad start for the, for the Piran believers. Um, all right, let's go to the, Ram, the, the explosive Los Angeles Rams. 46-9. to nine. Um, I guess we knew the Colts were bad. It's hard to it's hard to look at the Colts and take anything away from this. I think, I mean, to to other than to say until Luck plays, you really got to worry about their offensive players. You really got to worry about Hilton and Moncrief. I mean, that's trouble. I mean, Frank Gore was Frank Gore. I don't know how much he was taken out because they were getting their doors blown off. You know how much Marlon Mack got work and got as many carries as Gore because of the 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 game script basically. Um, On the other side. So Todd Gurley, good productive overall numbers, but look more closely, he did not run particularly well, did he? No, I mean, he got volume, 19 carries for 40 yards, but 2.1 yards per carry, kind of bailed himself out yardage-wise to 5 for 56 as a pass catcher. I think that's going to be one of those areas, you know, that per carry number, if it stays in the high threes, he's like a 3.7 guy this year. He might be better as a pass catcher because of the way he's utilized. Mm-hmm. So that gives me a little more of like a, a floor than what we were seeing last year from him. Th- that's definitely a concern. I don't really expect the Colts to be great against the run. Maybe that'll be one of their few things they're good at this year. But I'm a little nervous about Gurley not getting more on a per carry basis, yeah. even, even though the results were fine. I mean, 98 yards from scrimmage and a TD. You're not complaining at all if you drafted Todd Gurley in the second round. You're just wondering what that's going to look like against better teams going forward. All right. Um, Jared Goff, nice day. Um, his BFF, Cooper Cup, had a nice day. Four for 76 and a touchdown. Got more targets than Sammy Watkins. <laughs> yeah, we'll get one more. I mean, if they targeted Cup like 12 times, then the, the Cooper Cup crowd could be going completely bananas. But you're still feeling pretty good if you got Cup. You stashed him away. Maybe he's your fourth or fifth receiver. Uh, the Rams, I mean, I mentioned this with the Bills. 
we don't know what the Rams are yet. Their defense, of course, looked good without Aaron Donald, but they're, everyone's defense is going to look good against the Colts without Andrew Luck. I think yeah. that's the, the biggest takeaway. Uh, that's the team you're just going to pick on until Luck comes back. And even after Luck comes back, if that's supporting, if the offensive line is still bad and the running game can't get anything going, I mean, Gore looked better than Marlon Mack. That yeah. is not a good sign at all for the Colts that Frank Gore still appears to be their best option in the backfield. <laughs> Um, other side. So with neither one of us, it's Monday morning. We haven't done our rankings yet for the week. Are you, are you basically, if you have T Y Hilton now, are you basically saying, I, I just got to get this guy out until luck gets back. You would hope that you've got something that you like yeah. better, but a lot of teams might not have that. I and mean, we still know. got seven targets. 357 was actually okay. Given the circumstances, they only threw it 21 times. So you got one third of the targets. Uh, I, I think he's probably like a wide receiver three until luck comes back. But then you think about the Cardinals matchup. I mean, if you're the Cardinals, don't you put Patrick Peterson on, on T.Y. Hilton? Yes. And say, okay, now what are you going to do? Go get it. Right. That is that is going to be really ugly. If, if luck's not back for week two and there's not really any indication that he will be, that is going to be a brutal game in week two. Yep. All right, and like we said, that's the Cardinals uh, at the Colts, and the Rams host the Redskins, like another team against they. You would think they can move the ball. Um, all right, you said you watch Seahawks Packers um, numbers wise. I was watching the Panthers at the same time. Numbers wise, here, I mean, Ty Montgomery. You, if you if you drafted Ty Montgomery in say round four, you got to be pretty happy today. Yeah, we barely saw Jamal Williams, and when we did, it was when Montgomery was getting his ankle checked out. Uh, but that's the concern with Ty Montgomery. It's not that he's too small to be a running back. He's he's well built for a running back. He's, I think, pretty good at playing the position. People haven't been giving him a lot of credit for that because, you know, converted receiver, whatever. But the the two things that I, I, I'm wondering about is one, can he hold up with that workload? If they're going to give him 18 plus carries a game. They gave him 19 yesterday and throw a couple passes his way. Does he make it through the entire season healthy? And two, what is he going to look like when he's not facing what could be the league's best run defense? I mean, Seattle's run defense looks really good. You add Sheldon Richardson to the mix. Seattle, for, for the lack of, of offense yesterday, their defense looks as good as ever to me. And I mean, holding the Packers to 17 points, shutting them out for a half, mm-hmm. that's everything you need your defense to do to win in Green Bay. And because Seattle's got the cheap offensive line, the Packers with Nick Perry have a pass rush. It's actually good. You know, Clay Matthews was pretty quiet yesterday, but having him out there, I think opens things up for guys like Perry. Mike Daniels played well. I was really surprised at how inept Seattle's offensive line was. Right. But Russell Wilson wasn't running by design. He was mostly running for his life on every play. And that is going to be a problem. If that line doesn't gel, they can't make some schematic adjustments. Anytime they face at least a good pass rush. I think the Packers would qualify as a good one, not a great one. They are going to have all sorts of issues in protection. And Eddie Lacy, I don't know if he got hurt. We're going to find out today that he has an injury. He appears to be just done. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they didn't run many plays. He didn't even start the game. Chris Carson started over him. Carson had a 30-yard run that salvage would have been a crappy day. The Packers run defense played really well. But how much of that is, is their defense being good? How much of that is Seattle's offensive line being bad? I think it's more the latter than the former. But Eddie Lacy, I was surprised he made the team because with Thomas Rawls out, how'd they not use him more? 
Right. I mean, they, they, they did the thing that Cincinnati did. They went six five four with their carries with Carson, Lacey, and Procise chopping up the workload in a way where nobody could really get into a rhythm. And I know the run blocking was bad, but giving one guy the work may have been a better approach. Yep. And snap count, by the way, Carson 25, Procise 16, Lacey 7. I mean, done. done. If, 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 if we don't get news that there's an injury, he's, he's done to the point where kind of like the Garrett Blunt situation in Philly, how there were rumors he could get cut. I would be surprised if Eddie Lacy is still on the roster in a month based on how little he was used. Agreed. Um, and I thought this was the setup for him. I thought, hey, no Rawls. Pete Carroll wants to give him a chance at his, his former team, you know, make him kind of make him feel sorry for, for letting him go. Didn't happen at all. I was stunned when Carson started over Lacey just based on experience and right. narrative, all the stupid things that coaches usually use. Good on Pete Carroll, I guess, for playing the guy who appears to be the better player. Like that, that's something he's always been able to do. But man, Eddie Lacy just—it's sad. Like he was—he was a first overall pick in fantasy once. Like that actually happened, right? <laughs> um, the other thing for the Packers: Randall Cobb, thirteen targets, nine catches, eighty-five yards. That's promising, right there. After last year, when he disappointed a lot of people, that's very promising. Yeah, he's—I think he's been hurt a lot the last two years and kind of playing through it. And, and I think that's a pretty big factor. But now you've got Jordy and Devontae Adams on the outside. You got Bennett at tight end. You have a running back that can catch passes. There are a lot of matchup problems for, for even good defenses right now. And Cobb's going to be the guy underneath who anytime something's not open on the outside, he's going to find some space. Yep. And I think he's going to have a lot of mismatches against linebackers. And we're going to see tons of catches go to Cobb. Might not be the guy that makes a ton of big plays based on the route designs and everything. But he is going to be an excellent security blanket for Aaron Rodgers this year. All right, everybody. Raise your hand if you won less than you thought last season and even yesterday, Daily Fantasy Football. Uh, if you play against, you know, all those sharks with 100 entries and things, you know, it sounds nice, but it's, it's, really, it's a losing proposition. You're not, you're not going to win that way, and, and that's okay. But if you're tired of losing Daily Fantasy Football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble, that's Rumble without an E at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. You can play head-to-head for, for a fairer chance at winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game, and you'll be entered in the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. That's Daily Fantasy Sports. Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Thanks, Let's Rumble. All right, so Panthers 49ers. I watched that one. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, you know, not spectacular, but got the job. Basically, that, that was a game where the Panthers kind of just – did their job. They weren't spectacular. Cam Newton was certainly rusty in the first half, looked better in the second. But Christian McCaffrey, you know, the, the, the mystery of how many touches there would be for the Panthers' backs, part of this was due to the lopsided nature of the game, but 20 touches for Jonathan Stewart, 18 for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think Jonathan Stewart owners who drafted him in, say, round 9, 10, or 11 have to be kind of happy today. Yeah, to get that sort of volume, I think a lot of it's the function of having a big lead. Uh, snap counts really favored McCaffrey, but he's more dynamic, so you'd, you'd kind of expect that. If you're a McCaffrey owner, took him into 2-3 turn. I mean, the five catches and full PPR really sort of boosted the floor because he had 85 yards from scrimmage. So he had 13.5 points in full PPR. That's pretty nice, too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering with Cam, because you watched this game while I was watching the Packer game, I saw him miss long on a throw. He had, who was it? Someone like it was Ed Dixon was wide open on a play. Yeah. And Cam just overshot him. 
I mean, for a guy coming off of shoulder surgery, like too much arm strength is, is a good thing. I just wonder if he had the rust getting touched back on his passes, if that's something that still is going to need a little bit of time to develop. Uh, but did they just seem like they were grinding out the clock with a big lead, trying to get anybody hurt, essentially? Is that, is that what was going on in the second well, half of this uh, game? Sort of. I think, yes, Cam was rusty, to your point, and I think that he'll probably be fine. I didn't think that when you look at the touches, Stewart was very involved all along. And that, that's, a, that's a good sign. He actually he caught a, a touchdown near the goal line. Um, but he, he was a, 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 they were on the field together a lot, which, which is something we talked about during the preseason. And, and even though they ran so much because of the game script, they, Stewart was, it wasn't like, hey, we're up 20 points, now Stewart can get 10 carries in a row. You know, it was he, he they were both mixed in a lot. McCaffrey was out in the slot a lot with Stewart in the backfield running. I mean, it was a pretty it was, there was a lot of balance there. And it's so funny. People in Charlotte this morning are complaining that McCaffrey got used too much. What? Yes. I think what Why? happened. Here's what happened. Steph Curry was at the game and he said some, someone interviewed him afterward. It, it, and he said something to the effect that they need to pace themselves with him. And I think some people latched onto it and said, oh, he's little. And they let him touch the ball 18 times. Like, folks, <laughs> I, I thought the problem was going to be the other way around. The people were complaining they didn't use him enough. Yeah, so. I think they're going to use him more in closer games. I think he can yeah. he can do more to make big plays than Jonathan Stewart can. Right. But Jonathan Stewart, let me check out his ownership percentage. He's 70 percent owned on Yahoo. So probably taken but he's someone like, I, I felt like people slept on him a little bit and yeah, he was way too cheap he's not frank gore he's a year or two away from being frank absolutely gore. and and he'll be look some weeks he's going to get 12 carries and not 18 and that's fine but he he's a viable play in a lot of weeks kind of like this week they've got the bills so you could have another um game where that's a little lopsided with them um otherwise on the other side of the ball there i thought carlos hyde looked pretty good um he caught the ball, but he caught six passes, actually. But I thought he looked good. It was just the Panthers' defense was very good. Um, the other one that I looked at, I mean, Garcon, we expected. George Kittle, a little sneaky tight end. A lot of people, people were touting. The, the, the sharp folks were touting him. And five catches in his first game, I'll take it for a guy who might be, who's almost definitely on your waiver wire tight end. Yeah, I, I think in like a two tight end league, especially, he's more than on the radar right now. Uh, the thing we're not going to really know about the Niners is is what they really can do against teams in their weight class until like at least week three in Seattle on the road in yeah. week two. That's that's going to be a problem. That's going to look a lot like this game, I would say, most likely. Then you get the the Rams at home in week three. That's going to be a good week for, you know, Hyde in, in, in season long and in DFS and, and Garcon can probably do some work in that game too. Cardinals on the road week four could be a tough spot. Colts on the road in week five is looking pretty good. So there's going to be some spots in the next few weeks where San Francisco pieces are going to be more productive. In a Carolina, what's their ceiling as a defense? Is it top five defense yes, again? Absolutely. If that's how good they are, then what they, the fact that the Niners couldn't really do much against them with that personnel is, is not that much of a surprise. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. And I will say one thing, by the way, having that's the one game I watched every play. They tried to get the ball deep. If you're thinking DFS, I haven't seen the price, the salaries for this week. They are, they try to get the ball to Marquise Goodwin. 
they he beat them once deep. I mean, literally, the problem with Marquis Goodwin, they hit basically on a on a deep route that would have been a touchdown. The ball just hit him in the hit him in the chest, and he just dropped it. And there was another one that Hoyer just overthrew him. But basically, he was he was running some goes, and they were trying to to loosen up the defense by throwing to him. So Marquis Good, there's going to be some mostly busts, but there's going to be some booms with Marquis Goodwin this year. That's that's the one thing I noticed yesterday. And the Panthers got a little lucky that he didn't beat them. Um, Kelvin Benjamin, not much. Yeah, this game, I don't know, the Matt Breida thing, you know, four carries. I don't have the snap counts in front of me, but um, that's maybe later. Carl, like I said, Hyde looked pretty good. Do we have to talk about Giants-Cowboys anymore, or are we good with that one? Uh, <laughs> did we miss anything with it? I mean, the, on the Dallas side, was there anything that kind of caught your eye? Zeke 24-104, I mean, that was good. You know what caught my eye? I wasn't terribly impressed with Dak. I just thought he yeah. was okay. I know the he Giants was, he was missing. Good. Yeah. yeah. But he was good. They tried to force to Bryant. That one series is funny. I know Tim Haney went a little crazy. They, they got down. What was it? The three yard line, and they threw three times. Yes, like that. <laughs> that, that that's that's why. That's yeah. why Jason Garrett is at the poker table for me with with the NFL coaches. The, the five coaches I'd like to play poker with. It, it's just, I, what, are you trying to be clever? Are you trying trying to trick the Giants by not giving the ball to Zeke? Right. They don't have an offense. The Cowboys do not have an offense built to be tricky or contrarian. Yeah, they're predictable, but you can't stop them even when you know it's coming with Zeke. I mean, containing him is what the Giants did, and containing him means he's still getting 100 yards and going over four yards per carry. Right. Just run him <laughs> inside the five. Like what? And especially when you think about how good Janoris Jenkins has been against Des Bryant. You're going to throw into that matchup? That's that's your plan? That's your pivot away from Zeke? <laughs> One other note about Zeke, by the way, five catches. They did say they were going to get him more involved in the passing game this year. Yeah. That's a that, good sign. That, that's If you got him in full PPR and he's catching four or five passes every game on top of the, the threat to go for 100 on the ground, I mean, that's monster. even more value added. But I did see, as we were recording, the NFL, as expected, has appealed the uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, injunction. So I think, I think that's the, the proper description of what's happening. So just what you know. The legal process playing out ultimately is what it is. Right. All right. Um, Monday night. So we've got Saints, Vikings, Chargers, Broncos. I, I think the player we most want to see tonight is Dalvin Cook. Fair? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've got Stefan Diggs going in a few leagues. He could help me salvage a pretty bad week one. Maybe push me over the top in a league or two. So I guess that that's the other wrinkle. But yeah, I would say that the overall interest is is how good is Dalvin Cook now that the games count I mean there's a lot of people that invested uh picking the first three rounds in him and I want to see I want to see it want to see what he can do want to see what the Saints do with the running backs you know how much are they going to use Peterson versus Ingram right I want to see if they if they lean on Fleener more without Willie Sneed so there's definitely some storylines to watch I got one more question for you in the Giants yeah I know I know it's, it's pain <laughs> to keep bringing this up Paul Perkins only had seven carries Yeah, in a game that was pretty close throughout. It was a two score game almost for the entire game. Right. I mean, what was up with that? Like what they weren't doing anything. And it wasn't I mean, it was it was 16 nothing at halftime. So they were trying to do some short passes in base because they they kind of thought they couldn't run. That seemed to be what it was. So everything was dink and dunk. Like you said, it was funny. We talked Friday about. If you were going to wait on Beckham's status, who were you going to wait for? And Sterling Shepard, PPR, he was okay. I mean, seven for 44. 
you know, Vereen nine for 51. Basically, everything was a short pass. That, that's how they thought they were going to move the ball. And on the opening drive of the second half, they did. But generally, yeah, they, they kind of, I, I think they kind of decided that they couldn't run. Yeah, I... I don't know. I was touting Perkins as a guy that was like, well, how come we're not more excited about him? It doesn't seem like there's that much competition. Darkwa, by comparison, looks better in a tiny sample. Now I'm just worried McAvee is going to screw it up repeatedly. <laughs> just just complete, complete cluster. And I've got Perkins in a spot that's really important, so I'm, I'm worried about that. And it, it, part of it might just be the running game is not going to work until Beckham's back because the offense isn't going to work until Beckham's back. Right. That could that could be the other side. So if if Beckham's out in week two, and I know we've got a week to make this call, but if Beckham's out again against the Lions, right? Are you trying to sit Paul Perkins? Yes. Well, for, uh, against the Lions. Well, the I was going to say against the Lions, but against the Cowboys, the Cowboys defense is no good. At least it's not supposed to be. Right. I mean. And I don't think they were. I mean, I don't want to be that guy who makes the excuses that, you know, oh, we beat ourselves and all that. But, I mean, the Cowboys defense looked good because of who they were playing more than more than because of their own performance, I think. I mean, I think we'll find that out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Lions don't have a particularly good defense. But, I mean, you would think Perkins is good. They're going to try to run the ball a little more. You're going to try to run, let's say, you're going to try to run him, let's say, a dozen times. So what that means, I don't know. Uh, I'm so mad that I I invested in Paul Perkins. Like just (laughs) so, so much regret. Well, the the last few games, the the final month of last year, he was pretty good. And remember again, as bad as things were for the giants last time, last night, this is the same team as last year. And down the stretch, they did commit to Perkins, right? Mm -hmm. So I I, I can't, you'd have to logically, you would think they're not going to completely overhaul the way they do things. Whether even if if Beckham's back, and if not, they would try to run more. I just don't know if they're able to. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not confident they're going to run it well. But <sighs> that, that's again, it's going to be two different versions of the Giants. The the with Beckham and without. I'm just uh, until Beckham comes back, the offense looks like it's going to be brutal. Brutal is absolutely right. Um, all right, everybody, listeners to our podcast here can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. You can check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. So, um, I mean, I know I'm back with a podcast with Jake talking about free agents on Tuesday. What else is up at Rotowire this week, Derek? Jeff's weekly rankings will pop up here uh, midweek as you get ready for week two. I know Kevin Payne's got a, a waiver wire article that comes out uh, early Tuesday morning. Uh, Liss's stuff comes up too, so lots of content, DFS items as well. We got picks for pretty much every site that you'd want to play on. The optimizer, all sorts of good stuff coming up again for week two. All right, um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be better than week one because week one was a little, it was weird, injuries, low scoring games, it was weird. Yeah, I noticed that as I looked at the, some of the scores from the matchups I wasn't in. There, there were teams that crushed it, you know, the, the Gillisley, Kareem Hunt owners, people like that, of right. course. But there were a lot of teams that put up low numbers. So if you, you rocked a 75 point week or 80 point week in week one, you're actually not alone. Like you, your team wasn't the only one that failed. You may have lost and, and all that, but it, it it's not the end of the world, even though it feels like the end of the world when your your teams get crushed in week one. Right. And then we, and when you make bad decisions with it, like me. Uh, you know, people hate. I know people hate hearing about other people's fantasy teams. Scott Fishbowl, my three quarterbacks: Wentz, Dalton, Alex Smith, and guess who I benched? Ooh, 
boy, uh, you benched Alex Smith, didn't you? I did. What are you going to do, right? See, it was the, was the process good there? I like to think it was, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, I think I think that most people would have started Dalton over yeah. Smith. So I, I, I mean, I, I think based on what most people would do, you did the right thing. All right. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. If you like this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you leave us reviews and ratings. They always help. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode is coming on Tuesday. Uh, Jake Latarski is going to be with me with free agent targets for this week. Lots of Kerwin Williams and Nelson Aguilar, I'm sure. So check back then for more helpful information for week two. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.